0: And now, The Rabbi Daniel Lapin Show. The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in the things that never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lapin On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to The Rabbi Daniel Lapin Show. Greetings to each and every one of you happy warriors. And thank you so much for being part of the show where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world Really works. This is the show where we speak about the things that really matter in your life. Thanks for being part of the show and thanks for your help in telling folks about it. I know you're doing lots of that because the show is growing, and that is very gratifying for me and fills me with renewed enthusiasm as I prepare and deliver the show. Now uh, something happened in Africa just recently, and I'm I'm taping this right in the middle of September 2022, but it, it doesn't really matter because, as you know, I focus as much as possible on the show being what I call evergreen, meaning that it doesn't really matter. This isn't a news show. You don't need me for the news. You have your own access to the news, which in many cases is probably better than mine. So... Uh, No, we're talking about things that are as true this year as they would have been two years ago and, interestingly enough, as true as they will be in 10 years' time. So, yes, evergreen it is. But nonetheless, uh, lessons can be learned from things that happen and things particularly that have happened. And uh, just a day or two ago, uh, there was an election election in the country of Kenya, and um, uh, the winner was a man called William Ruto, and William Ruto uh, is a very interesting person to me to now become the head of the Kenyan government. So first of all, there are about 50 countries in Africa, uh, for a total of about uh, one and a quarter billion people, roughly, It's a lot of people, right? Um, one hundred one, <laughs> a thousand and one, twelve hundred and fifty million people uh, throughout Africa. The um, the seventh Kenya is about the seventh country in terms of population. Kenya's got about fifty five million people. The biggest country in Africa, population wise, is Nigeria with about uh, two hundred and twenty million people, approximately. Uh, Just by point of comparison, uh, the United States of America is about 320 million, approximately. So, uh, Nigeria, 220 million. And then, going down from there, you've got countries like Egypt and countries like uh, South Africa. And uh, number seven, I think, is Kenya, with about 55 million people. Now, interestingly enough, by the way, if you rank the countries of Africa by gross domestic product, by how much economic output is there, uh, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that the listings about the same. Kenya is, again, about number seven, with Nigeria on top, followed by countries like Egypt and South Africa and Morocco. And finally, number seven is the country of kenya so that just sort of places it in um, context it's also worth noting that uh, the new colonial power in africa is china Uh, the belt and road initiative that that china started about uh about 15 or 20 yeah 15 years ago i think um, was a program whereby uh, china was going to provide infrastructure, whether it was harbors and ports, railway lines, electrical grids, bridges and highways. China would build all of that um, and they would set up a payment program, a loan program, and if and when the borrowing country was not able to keep up with the payment terms, Uh, China would then acquire certain assets in that country. In some cases, it's access to raw materials. Would lithium, nickel, and cobalt surprise you if if you hear those? Yeah, this is a country that um, is a serious country, China. A very, very serious country, which is why it is that in last week's show, I actually raised the question about investing in a country that wastes absolutely no time, money or resources on uh, diversity, equity and uh, inclusion, wastes no money at all on climate and environment. Um, China is building uh, about 200 coal-powered utility plants this year, which means they're also having to open about 150 new coal mines. So that gives you an idea of how utterly meaningless it is uh, when California rules that by 2030 there will be no more electric, uh, no more gasoline-driven cars. Only electric cars are going to uh, be what, what are allowed to sell in in California. So be it. Uh, but you know this is sheer frivolity, and uh, it would be funny if it weren't so dangerous. But My point is China is is growing and expanding. Uh, Also, there are people who say, well just you wait, their economy is on the verge of collapse because uh, there is too much interference, there's too much Communist Party and governmental uh, interference. No, uh, that isn't altogether correct. Um, There is a great deal of governmental interference in the marketplace in the United States of America. Uh, and a huge amount, because what you've got in America is interference on an academic level, meaning uh, the entire um, marketplace in the United States of America was distorted because of the pressure that the government brought to bear on the university system. In other words, the growth of university, the emphasis that everyone has to go to university, the providing of government money for very low-cost student loans, which, uh, as you now know, President Biden has rescinded uh, and has uh, 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 forgiven the loans for large numbers of people who borrowed money to get utterly useless degrees. That's right. They uh, now also, because the universities are the hotbed of uh, equity, diversity, and inclusivity, and climate, and uh, gender, and all of these uh, fascinating things which have no reality to them whatsoever, um, the university systems have had to hire a great number of administrators. Today, uh, the almost every American university has far more administrators than it has teachers. And so this is a, a system that can't possibly work. Um, back in uh, during the Obama administration, I think it was 2015. Michelle Obama went on television and did this big promotion that was uh, echoed and replayed everywhere. How everybody must get a university degree, and everybody needs to, and everyone deserves to get a university degree. Well, of course, uh, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And if you think about it, the uh, the the loan program actually um can comes out to be one of the most astounding um money transfer programs in all of american history right it's It's really extraordinary when you think about it uh It's a way of taking money from taxpayers and giving it to university employees that's really what it became. And if you think that's insignificant, then you don't know how many people are employed by universities. And you also don't know enough about the revolving door in the United States of America between government and university faculties. So uh, if you wonder who your real rulers are, those who influence your life, those who have power over increasingly arcane areas, details in your life are now in the control of government bureaucracies then you are beginning to understand perhaps the connection between government and universities. Anyway something else that happened uh, not with Mrs. Obama it happened with President uh, Barack Obama again during the summer of 2015. He traveled to Kenya and uncharacteristically in a way unfortunately that has made so many people around the world Uh, disdainful of the United States of America, uh, because this is uh, impudence of the highest order. He arrived as a state visitor, uh, as a visitor of the head of Kenya's government at the time, was a man known as Uhuru Kenyatta. Uh, Uhuru Kenyatta, I think, is the son of, I think, may have been the very first um, Prime Minister of Kenya after the departure of the British in 1962 approximately and his name was Jomo Kenyatta. Now, uh, it so happens that Jomo Kenyatta had um, uh, a a going at with Barack Obama's father. Barack Obama's father worked in the Kenyan government back then and uh, at that point the Soviet Union was extremely influential in Africa. Uh, they were trying to do what China is now successfully doing, basically colonializing Africa in the wake of the vanishing European colonials of uh, uh, Belgium, England, uh, France, and Germany, Uh, France usually further north, but, uh, but also in West Africa. These are the European countries, Portugal, uh, that had enormous influence in Africa for many years they leave in the early 60s and uh, the soviets swoop in and so many of the heads of state in 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 those days were either already soviets or uh, uh influenced very people who had bought into the socialism of the soviet union and this was true for uh Um, uh, Tanzania, um, and and many, many other countries around the continent of Africa. Um, One of the people who had been enormously influenced by the Soviets and the socialist philosophy uh, was Barack Obama's father, who um, came to blows with Jomo Kenyatta, the, the Prime Minister, because uh, even at that point, Barack Obama's father was an ardent and avid socialist, maybe a communist. I, you know, It's only a question of degree, and he very much wanted to uh, overthrow the government in Kenya, and he saw himself as the next head of the Kenyan government. Uh, I don't doubt for a moment that uh, Barack Obama's primary philosophical affiliation is not with Christianity, it's not with Islam, it's with socialism and I'm quite sure that he learnt it from his father. Uh, it's um, it's interesting that when he named his book he didn't call it dreams of my father he called it dreams from my father and that was uh, President Barack Obama indicating that his dreams he had obtained from his father and those were the dreams of socialism. At any rate uh, Obama Senior and Kenyatta Senior Uh, had um, a fight in the mid-1960s, about 1965 it was, uh, at that point, in in terms of what direction Kenya would take after the departure of the British, and uh, uh, it's so funny that now in uh, 2015, many years later, the sons of the two men come to, not to blows, but they argue, and what it is that Barack Obama does a state visit, And he's greeted by the head of Kenya, namely uh, Uhuru Kenyatta, and uh, he starts lecturing him in front of television, in front of the whole nation of Kenya, he starts lecturing him on homosexual rights. And very, very politely, Uhuru Kenyatta said, Look, that's not our priority in Kenya. Um, the majority of our population do not see that as the, the thing we've got to do more than anything else. There are a lot of other things we're interested in, including entrepreneurship and the building up of strong families. This was in 2015. Time has gone by, and uh, when I'm telling you this now, it's 2022, and the winner of the latest uh, uh, election in, in Kenya uh is the winner is President William Ruto. President William Ruto and his wife are serious Christians, and so are 85% of Kenya's population. That's right, 85% of Kenyans are serious Christian. Uh, Islam in Kenya, 11%, and that's about that's about it, right? Uh, 85 and 11 is 96. So there's a small, um, a small number of people of various other faiths. Almost nobody in Kenya lists themselves as atheist. And so uh, you've got a country now that uh, rejected President Obama's impudent lecture on they must introduce rights for homosexuals in Kenya. Like, what business is it of yours? You're the head of state of another country. What business is it of yours to lecture and try and impose your values on that country? <laughs> what is it? Who invited you to do that? Okay. It's, it's just one of the ways in which America lost a great deal of prestige. They, they did it constantly. And, and one of the things they, in America they disliked about President Trump is he didn't do that. He accepted that different countries have different values, and that if Saudi Arabia's value is that it's okay to murder a dissenting journalist, it's not nice, we don't like it in our eyes, but it is their way. And that's what President Trump said, and that was the position he took, and it was considered to be completely uh, outrageous, because that's not the American way. Well, of course it isn't. Uh, the American way is for Americans, although it would be nice if that was still true. But uh, it's certainly not to be imposed upon other. It's so bizarre. It really, really is. Um, China is coming into Africa. They're not imposing any philosophy. They're not imposing any way of life. It's a straightforward economic arrangement. And uh, people might disparage it by saying, well, it's just about the money. And the answer to that is that a relationship based on money is a lot more of a reliable and very much more of an honest relationship than a relationship based on imposition of other values. And so uh, I I must say that I'm always very comfortable dealing with people who are doing it for the money. You know, the the plumber who came to my house to do repairs uh the 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 uh, uh the person from uh, the internet company i patronized came to repair my uh, my my internet uh these people are doing it for the money it's wonderful it's really really nice the restaurant i attended the other night uh also for the money and it's great because you can have a straightforward relationship it's it's clear this is what you're going to do for me this is how much i'm going to pay you fantastic and we shake hands and and we're complete friends but where the motivation is something else very often power then that changes everything Uh, when somebody is doing something not for the money but for a more concealed reason perhaps to uh, attain a position of power over you very often the case, particularly in politics and government, Uh yeah, that is not nearly as pleasant as a situation where the relationship is based on money, which is only a good thing. Sometimes when a uh, relationship is based on, oh, don't worry, I'll just do it for you as a favor, don't worry, uh, it's, it's sometimes awkward and, and it's something that one should be very, very careful about. It's not easy because Uh, Very often you want something done a little bit differently, but if somebody says, oh, don't worry, I'll just do it as a favor, you you feel awkward saying, yeah, but I actually needed it done this way, not that way, or I'd like it done in blue and not in yellow, or whatever it is you, you choose, but if somebody's doing it as a favor, it's very difficult, whereas a relationship based on a commercial interaction is always comfortable for everybody, it's a good thing, and it's something we should welcome, so I urge you to always protest when in your presence you hear somebody say, Oh, he's just in it for the money. That's wonderful. I'd much rather somebody's in it for the money than he's in it for some nefarious purpose. There could be so many other reasons he's in it. Uh, Money is a wonderful way of lubricating human interaction. And it's very positive. And you should have no compunctions about doing things for money. You should have no awkwardness about naming your price when you are doing a service for somebody else. Now, I'm not saying there's never a time for courtesy. There's never a time for compassion. There's never time to indeed uh, do somebody a favor out of friendship. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But don't confuse that with professional relationships, which means that it's a relationship based on money, a very good and wonderful and positive thing now uh, the um, the next thing that we have to talk about because again it's it's part of the uh, uh, the disturbing trend that any happy warrior needs to contend with whether you are in Kenya as many 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 of our happy warriors are and to all of you uh, watching and listening from Kenya right now god bless and uh, thank you for being a Kenyan happy warrior Uh, um, uh, There there are several uh, cities or towns in in Kenya with which I'm familiar from when I lived in Africa. Nairobi of course I've been in several times. Uh, Down at the coast there was a wonderful coastal town. It's it's been a number of years since I've been there. It was called Malindi, and uh, then of course the main uh, coastal area uh, Mombasa and uh, the seaport Anyway, a lot of Chinese involvement there as well. The original railway through Kenya, and Kenya has uh, a very interesting uh, topography. Obviously, there's a low coastal plain, but uh, the land rises and there is a fairly high area of Kenya as well. And so building the railroad through Kenya, which the British did uh, between the two world wars, I believe it was, or maybe, I'm not sure, uh, early on, either at the end of the 19th or early 20th century, was quite an undertaking and uh, only it it, it was used until recently when the Chinese replaced it with a more modern line but uh, until then very much so and and today of course well as I said uh, China is colonizing Africa financial relationships to be sure and um, well we shall we shall see what happens but uh, China is certainly acting very much in its own economic interests and uh, in China, if people buy electric cars, it'll be because they want to, and uh, not because the government is forcing people to do that. Uh, in the United States, if government um, interference with the free market, if the government would stop deciding who are the winners and who are the losers, uh, people, the number of electric cars would be very low. But right now, ordinary folks in America are being taxed. So is that additional money can be given to people who've purchased amer- uh, electrical cars. It's uh, it's very much a tampering with the free market. Uh, people installing solar cells on their houses. They're not doing that because it makes sense to them. They're doing it because the government is giving them money to do it. Why is the government giving them money to do all this? It would be fine if somewhere along the line it made economic sense, but it doesn't. Uh, they're doing it because of climate change change. And this is something, uh, this this idea that you must focus on an ultimate good. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, If. only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? Uh, way back in the, uh, in the bad old days of the bad old Soviet Union, the uh, KGB funded American student activities. And uh, I myself um, am friendly with a number of people who, when they were students in the mid to late 60s, were on the receiving end of KGB funds subterfuge and and unofficially, they were receiving large amounts of Soviet money to organize students into anti-Vietnam War protests. Yeah, that was being promoted by the Soviets. And today, uh, there is a great deal of foreign influence in the United States of America pushing the climate agenda. So much so that uh, newspapers like the New York Times often print phrases like... uh, uh, the th- I took this from a recent issue just the last couple of days um, The of course the world is warming at a horrendous rate as everyone knows <laughs> honestly word, uh, as everyone knows the world is warming at a horrendous rate no actually I don't know that at all but this is all propaganda that is being pushed on us because that way we can be persuaded to act against our own economic interests and again you know what possible uh, advantage you serve by having people drive electrical cars when that electricity has to come from somewhere and uh, it cannot be supplied don't for one moment believe it can be supplied by windmills or by solar cells that's not happening Uh, and the batteries themselves are made with um, metals that have to be mined As a matter of fact, just recently the calculations have been made, and and you can look this up if it interests you, that more emissions of carbon emissions into the atmosphere are produced in the manufacturing of an electrical car battery, right? Average electrical car battery weighs over a thousand pounds. Think about that. And think about something else, and that is that when you drive around in your gasoline-driven car, each mile you drive makes the amount of weight you are carrying a little less than it was before because you start off with a full tank, shall we say 20 gallons, and by the time you next fill up, and you know you, you may have done 300 miles in the interim, uh, you've been driving around with an empty tank. Now this is serious stuff because that tank of gas, if you think about it, 20 gallons, um, Uh, Gasoline weighs about six, roughly 6 pounds a gallon, so 6 times 20, you're carrying around about 120 pounds of fuel. But that's only at the beginning of your journey between fill-ups. Towards the end, you're carrying around almost nothing because the tank is empty. And so as the weight of the tank declines, the average extra weight you're carrying around is, is actually much less. A car battery weighs 1,200 pounds not a full gasoline, a full tanker gasoline, um, about uh, 120 pounds. 1200 pounds, 100 times as much. No, 10 times as much. Ten times as much as a car battery. And here's the crazy thing: when it's finished, when it's empty and it's got to be recharged, it still weighs the same 1,200 pounds that it weighed at the beginning. How can this possibly be a good idea? How? And it's not as if, oh, this is magic, you know. No carbon, nothing has to be produced in order to fill that electric car. Well, as a matter of fact, yes, power stations have to work in America at the moment, and neither does any other country have the ability to do that without burning. Again, part of the stupidity, again, this was pushed by interests outside the United States, the danger of nuclear. Wouldn't you have thought that if you really cared about a country, If you were a patriot, and you really cared about a country, and you really, really, really believed that burning coal was bad, well then, you ought to be at the forefront of the forces pushing and advocating for nuclear power, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the proof of this is that, quietly, this is behind the scenes, but you can read about it in the news, Germany is retroactively classifying nuclear power as green. Germany was also at the forefront of getting rid of nuclear, got to get rid of nuclear, got to get rid of coal, got to get rid of natural gas, got to get rid of oil, leaving what? Windmills and solar power? Good luck to you Germans this winter. Guess what? They're restarting up their nuclear power stations that they had shut down. Yeah, what I'm talking about here is that when you do not have a religious system decreeing what is moral and what is virtuous you then inevitably create your own people do this it's all a culture does this uh, you yourself may not necessarily be doing it but that doesn't matter millions of people operating in concert doesn't mean that every single person does the same thing as every other person all the time but the culture as a, as an entity is moving in a certain direction and one of the directions that's moving in is exactly this idea of finding alternative expressions of virtue because this is something i've spoken about in the past and it's something that you really need to understand as you're working out how to prioritize your five f's right and if you're a newcomer to the show your five f's are your family your finances your faith your fitness and your friendships. Those are the five things needed for a healthy, productive, successful, fulfilling life. All of those five things. And as you work out how to prioritize these things and to evaluate which ones are you deficient in and how are you going to restore that, then you also need to be aware that Part of the way we are constructed is that we feel virtue through sacrifice. All of us do. And that's what lies at the root of the book of Leviticus with all the sacrificial rites. A lot of what's being taught to us there is this fundamental need that we all have as human beings to demonstrate to ourselves, chiefly, that we are more than merely biological mechanisms constructed out of ten dollars worth of common chemicals that simply get born and eat and defecate and replicate and reproduce and then die. Because the notion that that's all there is to us is almost intolerable to any any thinking person. And even people who are not necessarily thinking people uh, at some point or another in the quiet hours of the night Uh, get bothered by these things and so one of the ways we show that we're much more than just biological entities we're much more than hedgehogs uh, is by means of sacrifice because no animal sacrifices for an abstract ideal Um, mothers you know um, maternal mammals will certainly sacrifice in order to keep their kids alive their little puppies or kittens or whatever it is but for human beings it goes beyond that Human beings will sacrifice for a cause, for a belief, for an idea. That's very different. No animal does that. That's one of the important ways in which we human beings are utterly unique, different from every other creature. And so what faith does for us is provides us a healthy outlet for sacrifice. A healthy outlet for sacrifice. Charity. Raising children, providing for a wife, these are sacrifices, right? It, it makes a lot of sense when you when you read some of the um, uh, men-going-their-own-way literature. You know, we don't need wives, we don't need... We, you can understand what they're saying. Yes, if we are nothing but hedgehogs, if we're nothing but, you know, two-legged... Uh, orangutans, if we're nothing but biological entities that eat and drink and defecate and replicate and die, yeah, I guess you don't, you know. I guess you don't. I mean, what you know, there there, there are plenty of animals, plenty of male animals in the wild that um, die without ever having replicated themselves. Plenty. Because nature only requires some of them to do so. But with human beings, there's a different need. And so if you believe you are nothing but a biological entity, then you may well say, eh, you know, I don't need children. I, I, yeah, you actually do. But by the time you figure that out, it's too late. That's why everybody needs, <laughs> you'll pardon me saying so, everyone needs a rabbi. That's the idea. And uh, it's worth understanding. So, a secular society, a society that you know, for the last 60 years has stripped faith out of the village square. Uh, whatever country you're living in, whatever country you're talking about, in my case the United States of America, don't think that when you strip faith away what you're left with is a benign vacuum. No. Other faiths come in as well. What do I define as a faith? Uh, A faith is something which is a belief system that provides some meaning to life. And if it's not going to be Christianity, and it's not going to be Judaism, and it's not even going to be Islam, then you're going to come up with something else. And that something else uh, goes by many names. I call it secular fundamentalism. Some people call it wokeism. It doesn't make any difference. These are all different names for a belief system that gives you much to sacrifice for because that's a key aspect of a belief system. Ideally, it makes sense to sacrifice for something that is in itself intrinsically meaningful and rewarding like helping other people, like raising children, like providing for a family. But in the absence of that, Even if it's a meaningless sacrifice, it provides value. That's right, because human beings desperately need that. And so this is one of the reasons why driving an electric car has become a virtue signal. Look, I'm a religious person. I'm a believer. That's really the modern-day equivalent of a medieval faith statement. (laughs) That's all it is. I worry about the climate, I worry about emissions, I care about the environment, I know that the earth is warming and we need to do something, all of this, it's feel-good belief, all very necessary in the absence of a more meaningful belief system, obviously, that's exactly how that works, so you have to be aware of that going on around you, and uh, you must be careful not to be entrapped by it, Because in the same way that China has the belief of the Communist Party to drive it, and so when it comes to economics, they don't interfere. They don't impose religious beliefs on the economic system. America, tragically, lacks any faith system at all, and so it imposes secular fundamentalism on the economic system. Oh, we're not going to dig for oil, we're not going to build oil pipelines, we're not going to do any fracking, we are showing how virtuous we are. Yeah, you're also killing your economy, obviously. Um, We are going to uh, uh, suppress gasoline production, and we're going to get rid of gasoline cars. None of this required by the marketplace, but it is required by the church of secular fundamentalism. A serious country allows itself to make financial decisions on financial reasons. A non-serious country or a silly country interferes with financial decisions by virtue of belief systems superimposed upon those financials. So, you, in building your finances, you should be very comfortable keeping faith and finance separate and apart. That's not to say that God despises money, because He doesn't. You see, there are two ways to get people to do your bidding. One is with a gun, and the other is with money. And God prefers the money system over the gun system any day of the week, obviously. And now, what I have to tell you about now is um, an article and again, we're talking about the imposition of an external belief system that distorts reality. It's like it's like a force field that distorts reality. And Why why is this done? Well, you, you've got to be aware that um, part of the Judeo-Christian worldview, and uh, it's a Bible-based worldview, and that's one of the reasons that I, I speak so much about the Bible, because even if people are unaware of it, That book is what has shaped so much of the world in which we now live. And the first verse of the Bible is one we all know, I think. In the beginning God created heaven and earth. I've I've discussed that. It has a lot to do with the foundation of science. It has a lot to do with why the uh, most important scientists, including Isaac Newton... Uh, that really laid the foundation for all of modern technology, these were all religious men. Every one of them was a Bible-believing man. And uh, all of that based on, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now, I'm not going to explain that linkage and why that is here, because I've already done that in our online program called Scrolling Through Scripture. And in scrolling through scripture, you'll see it on my website on rabbi rabbidaniellappin.com. On scrolling through scripture, I go through the first 34 verses of Genesis. And obviously, the first verse, seven words, 28 letters, is, is so very important. Yes, the foundation of modern science. But for today, uh, the second verse is what really matters. And the second verse is, uh, uh, and the earth was chaos and uh, turmoil and there was darkness over the face of the deep. A very difficult and impenetrable verse if you don't have access to the original Hebrew which is why everybody needs a rabbi and I humbly submit my candidacy to be yours. And um, and that second verse is an example of why everyone needs a rabbi. And. Uh, Uh, the earth was in chaos and turmoil. What that is telling us is that um, the natural state of affairs is chaos, disorder. We have a scientific term for it called entropy. And one of the most important principles that you really have to understand if you really want to know how the world really works, well that would be the second law of thermodynamics. And the second law of thermodynamics, um, I'm going to present it in non-scientific terms, but it's just as true. Very often, in ways that I don't know, my workspace, my desk here, which I deliberately don't want you to see, because it becomes chaotic. Now, never have I walked in here and seen it Magically clean and clear and ordered, and I say to myself, "When did that happen? That never happens." But I often walk in here, sit down, and say, "Oh, this desk needs to be tidied up. When did it get so chaotic?" Well, yes, it's like your children's bedroom, or uh, or like your garden, which gets filled with weeds if you don't do anything about it, or anything deteriorates. That's the second law of thermodynamics, that things move towards chaos. Why? Well, because that was the original state. So don't ask what produces chaos. Ask what produces order. Spiritual gravity produces chaos all by itself if you take away the order. And so what was God's plan and what are we being uh, directed? And I lay this out in, in considerable detail. I spent 10 hours explaining those 34 verses in scrolling through scripture. And uh, it's all important in terms of understanding how the world really works. And uh, the second law of thermodynamics thermo- is that God has a world of complete chaos and turmoil. And then he starts putting it right. And he starts separating things out because fundamental to order is separation. This belongs here. This You see those pile of papers doesn't belong there. It belongs here. But these papers belong somewhere else. Oh, that pen! That the pen doesn't go with the papers; it goes where your pens, but your writing implements belong, etc., etc. And so that's what God is doing: uh, the the earth and the water and the heavens and waters above and waters below. All of the this is the beginning of extraction of order out of chaos, and then God finally creates human beings, and tasks them with continuing this job of converting the world from chaos into order and it's no accident that the religion of secular fundamentalism is exactly the opposite of judeo-christian bible-based religion and so whatever direction the bible moves us secular fundamentalism pushes in the reverse direction You remember I mentioned that the first verse of the Bible has a lot to do with the emergence of scientific development. You've really got to ask yourself why is it that Boyle's law about pressure and volume and Maxwell's analysis of electricity and um, Newton's laws of motion and Einstein's study of uh, uh, of of the world of gravity and uh, nuclear power. Why did all that happen in Bible-based countries? You know, why did none of it emerge from Madagascar? Why did no scientific discovery take place of any meaningful import in China? Oh, I know they had fireworks, they had gunpowder. Yeah, of course. But in terms of actually moving forward, the grand enterprise of science and industry, that happened in the West. Nowhere else. Why? Well, because the West had access to a magical sentence. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now, what one has to do with the other, I can't do now, but I did already do it in scrolling through scripture. But for now, for those of you who have already listened to scrolling through scripture, uh, I'll just remind you that it's not an accident that in countries where that sentence was known in the beginning god created heaven and earth those countries produced scientific development through the 15th 16th 17th 18th 19th centuries they produced the industrial revolution in the middle of the 18th century that's where these things happened absolutely and that's really really important to fully grasp and then the second sentence And the world was chaos and turmoil. That's right. That is the natural state. That is the order of things. And so everything that we do is moving as much as possible to do that. Not surprisingly, secular fundamentalism, the religion of the left, the religion of wokeism, is 180 degree reversed. It's exactly the opposite if the Bible pushes for scientific development, then secular fundamentalism opposes it. Sure enough, that's why they despise nuclear power. It is the obvious way to generate electricity at the present time. The obvious way. Well, they hate that. And uh, anything that is industrialized Uh, Well they found a way to oppose that. Well it produces carbon emissions which makes the world heat up and that makes the sea level rise. All of this stuff is rubbish, complete rubbish. It's propaganda but we buy it. You know why? Because we have abandoned the Judeo-Christian Bible faith and we've got to substitute for it and we have. And it pushes, that substitute pushes the other way. The Bible is in favor of human beings bringing order out of chaos. The religion of secular fundamentalism desires to bring chaos out of order. How does it do that? By by destroying in every possible way all the order that has been structured. Uh, One of the most fundamental forms of order is uh, the military. Right, And so the military allows us to maintain a distinction between our country and other countries. And if other countries attack, we have a military. Let's undermine the military so they can't do that. Let's turn the military into a social experiment where transgender will be practiced to the full. And anyone in the military who wants to change his gender uh, well, that can, get be, that can be done on taxpayer expense. All of this, if anybody was setting out to weaken and destroy the United States of America, they couldn't have come up with a better plan. Introduce chaos everywhere that order up till then prevailed. That's right. Um, order said that uh, uh, police exist to help maintain order, undermine and destroy the police. Order said that there is a, uh, a role that separates parents from children and that parents are responsible for the raising of their children. Right. Let's destroy that and let's do what the, uh, the, the former uh, candidate for governor of the state of Virginia said. Parents shouldn't have anything to do with how their children are raised and educated. That should be done by government bureaucrats. That is, again, destroying a form of order. The reason this is so important for you in your five F's is because, yes, you want to make sure that you do everything possible to bring order into your life. And that means keeping your living quarters tidy. There's a reason that that is a military value as well. And that ought to be a value for each and every one of us. Not because it's a military value, but because having order rather than chaos A clean house. It's one of the great virtues for a man living with a woman. Because women see dirt in a way that many men do not. Some men do, a lot of men don't. And so when you walk into a sparkling, clean, beautiful home, you know the guy's married. No question about it. When you walk into a a home where a man is living alone, you pretty much know that right away and uh, yes order out of chaos that is a holy value but it's also a value at the same time that produces a successful life a life in which your five f's are being emphasized and focused on and it's magnificent it's hugely important Uh, your financial life has to be ordered structured not chaos you don't just spend you you keep Books, you keep financial records, you know what's happening to your finances, uh, your family. Chaos in family life, you don't want that. Chaos in, in sexual life, where people are just, people have relationships with one another, and children are born, and they have parents, they don't have parents, they've got a father, they don't have a father. All of this, this is an introduction of familial chaos that the left began practicing from, as I say, 1962 approximately. Uh, Yeah, again, sexual chaos, a great way to destroy a society. But as we try and focus on growing our five Fs, order, structure, pattern, cleanliness in your finances, in your family life, in your friendships, in your physical fitness. Tackle your physical fitness in an orderly way. And in your faith. Even order in the areas of faith makes sense. That's right. You think about it, you'll be able to see it. So in everything that we tackle, we try as much as possible to focus on that second sentence in the book of Genesis. God starts off with a world of chaos and then you watch his work for the next seven days and all of it is focused on generating order out of chaos. And that is exactly what will bring each and every one of us the most fulfilled and happy life imaginable. It's an important step. Think about it. Order out of chaos. It's what God did and it serves as a model For what we ought to be doing as well in each of the five areas that bring so much joy and so much fulfillment to our lives. And so until next week, I want to wish you a week where you will move onwards and upwards with your five F's. Onwards and upwards as you grow your finances, your family, your friendships your faith, and your fitness. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.